Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are back with season four and our very first episode of A Little Wiser with my co-host and dear friend, Christy Peterson. Hi, Christy. Hey, Kimmy. So we are going to dive right in to this first episode. And Christy, I'm going to let you kick us off. Great. Um, So yes, we are back and excited about having more conversations, many conversations about the amazing interviews that you are having with people, starting with Amanda Knox. So last week you interviewed Amanda Knox and the theme of the episode, well, you guys covered a lot of different things, but I would say the theme of the episode was ethical storytelling. So I'm just wondering, what was that like for you to interview Amanda Knox? I was nervous and I was incredibly prepared. I spent a ridiculous amount of time researching her story and preparing for the interview. And normally I have like a lot of time and we'll spend 90 minutes, sometimes two plus hours having these conversations and then we edit them. And so we started the interview and she was like, and I have another interview in 60 minutes. And I had like 15 pages of notes. <laughs> so I threw my notes in the air and just dove in to the conversation that ultimately was an hour in its entirety that you listened to. Do you feel like actually the, that doing exactly that, just tossing your notes and diving right in was um, to the benefit of the interview? I think so. I mean, I think there's probably something to be said for both. Well, I had to let go of the conversation I thought I was going to have. I clearly had written down a lot of smart questions that were now like, I don't know, on the floor behind my head that I couldn't read. Um, So, but she's a, she's a podcaster. She's got a story. She has a message. She's a pro. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. it, it worked, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a very compelling story. I thought, I mean, I, I couldn't know as a listener that you were asking questions more on the fly. Um, it felt seamless and fascinating and interesting. And I don't know, I'm just kind of curious as I do things in my own life, when you over-prepare, or not even over-prepare, when you go in and just sort of set down the expectations and just connect and have that really authentic conversation. And it felt like that as a listener, that that was what was happening. I also think you get nervous, like when people have been demonized and Hmm. victimized and beat up and bullied by the media, I think they're very skittish of Mm. anybody playing the role of journalist. So I almost go into it with this weird, like, I don't think that you trust me, Amanda. Mm. And, and, And so subconsciously that was happening too. But I don't know if that's a story I made up in my head or if she in in general because I do imagine she has, rightfully so, um, 
you know, a hard time trusting people with her story. (laughs) Yes. But here's the one thing that really did come across in the interview is she made a decision whether more recently, but I suspect a long time ago to take hold of her own story. So I, I would imagine that perhaps she is a little cautious, but not too much because she's in there to make sure that her voice is heard. As you discussed ethical storytelling with her, what came up for you or what um, did it remind you of in your own life? I mean, I just think it, it's made me think a lot about a reading things like stories. I was even at a dinner last weekend and people were sad, sadly <laughs> talking about another woman mm. and um, this whole night that, you know, went south and the woman had embarrassed her son. Everybody's kind of, and I'm embarrassed to say it out loud now that I didn't do the upstander thing, but how frequently we consume stories of other people that are just real people doing the best they can. Obviously, this is a, you know, on steroids, she was accused of a heinous murder and kept in it jail cells while the world's media beat her up. I mean, so yes, that was on the world stage, but I think we consume stories every day in our families or in work or in friendships or in gossip. And it's that conversation has for the moment, and I hope it sticks and it lasts, made me like a more astute listener, if that makes sense. No, I was just going to say that I had the same response. It really caused me to think about how often I've indulged in gossip. And I wouldn't actually consider myself much of a gossip, but that how many times in listening to stories, I'm sort of, my ears might perk up or it's it's interesting. And it's usually the stories that have those details that are intriguing and interesting. And then even more so what it made me think of is what I need to do for myself in order to be able to like lean into that conversation and indulge in it and still feel like I'm a good person. So I have to kind of separate myself. I have to think, oh, that's this other person, or I don't know them, or I'm just, there's like a separation that you do um, when you're listening to gossip, because otherwise, I think most of us appreciate that it's hurtful. Why do we all care about other people's stories so much? Because it's, well... (laughs) Because it's fascinating. It's interesting. I mean, we are, why do we care about people's stories? Well, I think sometimes just understanding how other people are going through life and the things that happen to them are helpful in our own lives, understanding as we are moving through life and making decisions. I think also there's a piece of entertainment, as awful as that sounds, like it's distract-worthy. It's interesting. It's intriguing um, to hear about other people or other stories. And I think also it's important to say that the stories that we're talking about are these like, like, you know, kind of when it's, it's been elevated up to not, of course, the Amanda Knox story. I mean, even I can remember the what was it? Foxy Noxy? Foxy Noxy. Foxy Noxy. I can recall that so well. It was super catchy. So, I mean, we're not talking stories at that level, but the stories I think that we're talking about are ones where there's like a salacious element to it, a divorce that's gotten really complicated and nasty. Um, or I'm just thinking stories, you know, or that it's, they're like soap operas. Almost. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the way that people sit in front of a, you know, flickering light for an entertaining story. It's like the real life version of that, but we forget that they're people. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we have to, there's a sense again, is that we do a little piece of us has to forget that they're people. Um, there's a, enough separation so that we can sort of 
indulge in the story and, and tell me more. And then what happened? And wow, that's super fascinating. If that person, what actually kind of reminds me of what they say about, you know, the internet and social media is that how much easier it is for us to say and do things to a person that lives across the internet than as if they were standing in a room with us or we had to say these things to their face. Yes. Imagine saying it to the person's face. And you just, you know, I, in talking to Amanda, I just kept thinking, God, like all of us, she's layered, she's complex, she's Mm -hmm. real, she's human, right? And it was almost just like this character that that the media painted of her that we all like so easily were spoon-fed. Yeah. Well, I actually, what I was going to say though, that's because it's a lot more interesting. I mean, just the, I mean, the human condition is kind of, I don't want to say it's boring, but that, that, you know, hearing about a person's basic struggles or the things that make them good. Like there was a moment during the interview when you talk about her, her real story is the connection she made with the various people um, she was in prison with while in Italy. Her story is the, her relationships with her family, her story, it's nuanced and it's layered. Um, but that doesn't sell to quite to the same extent as the ice queen or the, you know, Foxy Noxy, which brings us back to her whole point about ethical storytelling and how we have to continue to return back to and remind ourselves that this person that we're talking about is layered, is nuanced, is just like us, just like me. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing you brought up, which I thought was interesting, is you you think that her looks had a big part yeah. to do with the story. And I think you're spot on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the looks, it's who she was, it was her age. I mean, she also... Because she was deemed very, by the societal standards of whatever at that time and space, what is considered beautiful, Mm -hmm. obviously subjective, but like in sort of this mainstream beauty sense, she was young and beautiful. You know what I think too, is I want to say, and she had the audacity to move to to Italy to to you know fulfill this dream to work at a nightclub to have this boyfriend to have a sexual life and when i say she had the audacity she was living her life as a as a you know really adventurous creative thoughtful smart woman and i think sometimes our world has a hard time with that so the idea of tearing it down there's mm-hmm. some sort of like backwards reverse subconscious pleasure in it yeah. God, we, we are so, we, making us human sound so twisted. But I still stand by the fact that, yes, while true, I think the vast majority of people, if they took the time to know Amanda Knox, to really think about her, and I'm using Amanda Knox or you know, your neighbor or your friend or somebody, you know, a distant friend who's going through something difficult, um, if you took the time to actually try to understand their perspective, I don't think that we would behave that way. I don't think we would get quite the same enjoyment out of hearing the stories um, or the maybe enjoyment's not even the right word, the same interest or intrigue. It's that we can separate ourselves and they become, we almost like have to dehumanize. And she touched on that. We have to dehumanize the person because ultimately we are all so interconnected and we are all so similar as humans. And um, I think in order to indulge in that gossip or in those stories, we have to to engage in that dehum- dehumanization process because I think like, 
as soon as we know somebody, as soon as we see them, we see what we have in common. I think our better angels, as they say, want don't want to do that. Do feel like, wait, this is a person. How can I support them? I don't want to participate in conversations or consuming a story that's hurtful. So I want modern, to believe that about us. <laughs> anyway. So modern society. So this was almost two decades ago, right? That this mm-hmm. this happened. And we, as consumers of media and stories, all participated, right, in the consumption of the story of Amanda Knox. Mm-hmm. Where do you think we are today in modern society? Do you think that that this same landscape exists today? I, I think I know the answer, but I'm wondering <laughs> what you think. Um, so what is it? Well, so what does modern society today say about ethical storytelling? I would say not much. Honestly, I still think that salacious news, interesting gossip sells. Um, I do think that there's more conversation about it, certainly led by people like Amanda Knox. I mean, what do you think? You're actually, you're in this industry. Do you no, see a I, shift? No, I agree with you. No, I don't. Uh, I don't it's very depressing. This uh, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I don't. But we're having this conversation and there mm-hmm. are people, Amanda, you know, she talked about Monica Lewinsky. Um, and other people who, you know, mm-hmm. were... Oh, the Lorena Bobbitt, too. That was really yes. fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. It was a right? really great reminder. Again, it goes back to that piece. You nailed it, I have to say. I don't know if that was on the fly, but your line about to walk a mile in someone else's headlines, um, that was that was great. And I really thought of that when she talked about Lorena Bobbitt and what that was, she endured. That was on my notes that I wrote down, I'm sure, somewhere from something she said in the past that was behind me. Oh, really? oh, it was so, it was awesome. I was like, yes. Is- but it is true. Like that, I mean, maybe that is the great takeaway of this mini episode is next time you are consuming mm. a story, whether you're reading it on your social media feed or in the newsletter or watching it on YouTube or walking and talking, imagine being the person right? Imagine being the headline, imagine being the subject, imagine being the dinner party conversation that you're the subject of, but not therefore present or supported in. Mm-hmm. And maybe if we all, you know, just became a little more conscientious, mm-hmm. we could tell and consume and share stories in just a, a softer, more responsible way. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about two things. One is how important storytelling is for us as humans. It helps us to make meaning out of events. It helps us to communicate stories. I mean, I just listened to a a podcast recently about the power of myth myth to heal. So like storytelling is here to stay. I mean, your podcast is about storytelling and it helps people to make sense of their own difficult experiences. So storytelling is here. And to your point, how do we then consume, engage in storytelling in a more ethical way? And I'm reminded of this family rule that we have, which is it's it's your story to tell. Meaning with my daughters, the stories are kind of, I don't want to say aloud, but we encourage them to share are those stories that they're, that are their stories to tell. So you can't tell your sister's story. You can't tell a friend's story. If what you're sharing is something that you actually participated in and you're like kind of processing it, especially with friendships and things like that, that's um, then that is your story. But when you're, you know, sometimes when one of my daughters might be sharing a story with me, I think we'll say, to, I was like, is that your story to tell? 
Um, and that for us is sort of a self-check on what you're describing. Do you have any any personal experiences where a story about you was distorted or misrepresented or? Um, yes, but I would say, yes, I can think of a few, but ones that I've actually found to be more painful. And I thought about this as Amanda was talking about her mother is when a family member or somebody that I love deeply, a story is being told about them and I am not able to control the narrative or fix it. And I find that to be super painful. How about you? Have you had, when you were listening to this story or interviewing Amanda, were there times that you thought of in your own life when you've been in that position, certainly at a smaller scale? <laughs> yes. Then on well, yeah, obviously none, yes, none of this compares. I mean, I, I basically have a story <laughs> everyone basically calling me a hoochie. I think Aww. less kind words were used. It, this was like... It, you know, junior high-ish age mm. and essentially my first boyfriend, but there was a lot of rumors and I remember that like parents knew and I felt embarrassed and ashamed mm. and, you know, my friends were telling me that everyone was talking about me and talking about us and spreading rumors and he was saying things and, um, you know, I don't know, certainly at that age, you can make things really big in your head. So my experience of it was that it felt really big, like all of this misinformation and like sort of hurtful, embarrassing, defaming stuff was mm -hmm. being spread about me and not only like to kids, but to parents. And I remember how at like out of control and, and like sad that felt in a sense, I guess, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I did think about that, and I'm sure there's been countless times since then that people have said things about me that are unflattering, because I think that's probably part of the human experience. But that is the one where I knew that it, things were being said. Like mm -hmm. I had people, I was aware of it, and I was at such like a young, vulnerable age, right? Yeah. Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, that that... That sucks. Um, that does suck. <laughs> Give me. Um, you know, as I was thinking about it, I think that that is really at the heart of what this episode and your interview with Amanda really did for me is it was this very, um, it was, first off, it's a great interview. It's super entertaining and ethical. Like you, you two sort of nailed both of those pieces. It was, I learned something. It was entertaining, but I know that it was a, an ethically told story. And so that feels good to consume that kind of media, but it really caused me to think about like how easy it is for us to dehumanize other people and that it's the more important thing to do is to how do we, how do we make sure that we bring that we don't do that, that we bring, that we remember that when we talk about other people or how we interact, that we are, are all interconnected. We are all trying to do the very best with what we have. Yeah. It's amazing how many people were, I, I you know, feel like I've been fortunate to interview a lot of interesting people on the podcast and the amount of yes. people that were intrigued by this conversation or curious, like the amount yeah. of like, did she do it? What'd you think? Yes. What'd she like? like yes. people were I wanted just to like, know this. Yes. I asked you the, I asked you all of those questions the first time I was like, what was it like to interview Amanda Knox? Like, would it, you know, yes, a hundred percent. There is something very intriguing about the story. Yeah. People were deeply 
drawn to her in all mm-hmm. sorts of mysterious ways. But it, you know, her her world was rocked in a million pieces. And I do sense that she's still putting the pieces back together. Do you? You know, I, I, I think she's, she, to me, she still seems, she seems incredibly strong and resilient. Mm-hmm. Poised. Um, but poised, but still fragile. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah. Or not fragile. No, no, that's not the word. Um, tender. Like I I think that you would always have, have, there has to be some scars there. It's like, um, it's like you can forgive something, but that doesn't mean that you re-embrace that same thing. You know, you still hold a boundary or you're still, you've learned from the experience. For these episodes, we've been thinking about this idea or this notion of what I like to say, and I'm for sure stealing it from somebody else about, you know, progress over perfection, like these mm-hmm. little tweaks we can make in our lives just um, to do things a little bit better. So mm-hmm. they're a little easier. There's ideally, we do a little better, like for ourselves, for our people and as a whole. And so when it comes to ethical storytelling, how can we do better or what specifically are you, are you, do you want to do, or are you going to do to do better and how you consume stories about other people? So for me, this conversation, both the one we're having now, and also listening to your interview with Amanda, like, what does it look like to um, do a little bit better when it comes to sharing stories, both on a personal level and also on you know, I really was thinking about how it is that I consume stories and, and media. And I, the two things that came to mind for me were one is to be really intentional about putting myself in the position to listen to and learn about other people's stories that may be different from my own experience. You know, I'm kind of a broken record when it comes to reading. I'm always like, read, read, read fiction. But truly, the research supports this, that, you know, reading it's specifically fiction. So these are entertaining, wonderful stories, but they have the ability to really push us to learn about another person's perspective, perhaps a group of people or a person that we would not otherwise have the opportunity to know. It helps us to grow in empathy. It helps us to like exercise those critical thinking skills and all of these qualities that I think allow us to be more compassionate, courageous people in how we you know, live our lives and how we tell stories. Because The fact is that storytelling is here to stay. It's so important for us as humans. We use stories to understand our world, to make meaning on events that happen. And so I think really being intentional about growing the ability to think expansively about other people is a great way to do a little bit better um, in this area. I love that. I think I like this idea of like curiosity and questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to like... I mean, I think when like I'm, I'm reading information about other people, maybe asking questions in my head, like, I wonder who wrote this article, you know, I'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm. what their lens is, or maybe even as silly as this is, like, I wonder if this person has a family and yeah. what their relation, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just kind of thinking yeah. about people as real people, Yes, but also like maybe when it's closer to home, when people are talking about other people, right? Mm -hmm. People we know Mm -hmm. about like just outwardly 
getting curious with questions. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if she has anything going on in her life that's yeah. really hard right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yes. just lobbing out, like yes. maybe there's a bigger story. Yes. Um, you know, I love that because it's so hard for us. Like we, you know, to, we always talk about being the upstander, but frankly, it's hard. It's hard to be like, it's hey, awkward. You, it's yeah. awkward at best. Like it's awkward at best. And you're having this conversation, people are having this really interesting conversation and it's hard to be like, now, you know, friends, let's not, let's not talk about <laughs> Um, but I love that idea of actually you can change the whole course the of the conversation, conversation or the tone by yes. saying like, Hey, I wonder what's going on in their lives. Or I wonder, you know, asking a question that evokes that sense of curiosity, because I do think that is a gateway to thinking about them as people that have, yeah. you know, have real things going on in their lives. I just love that yes. idea. The other piece I've been thinking about is so often we think of these, I think awareness and having conversations about it is really important, but then actually taking a step or taking action to try stuff on is, is really helpful. And so, um, there's a great compassion, um, guided, uh, meditation. It's called just like me. And we could Google it or put it in show notes, but it's actually a really wonderful guided meditation that walks you through um, various prompts that help you to think about another person as what you two have in common. Like, just like me, this person wants to live a happy life. Just like me, this person has had setbacks. Just like me, this person has struggled, you know? And somehow um, it's just a really powerful experience to, and, and you can they give you prompts and it's guided to actually go through the exercises, particularly with a person that you may sometimes feel have some big feelings about. It can really help you. Like if you you have like a crazy intense relationship with your mother-in-law, you would do the just like me (laughs) exercise? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, in fact, I I did it. It's, I just, I had a kind of a difficult conversation with my dad and I was feeling frustrated about different things and family dynamics. And so I actually, it was this wonderfully, um, connective experience for me. I did this, you know, I was feeling sort of anger towards him and I did the, the meditation thinking of my dad and thinking of just like me, he wants to live a happy life just like me. Um, he has struggles and, um, dad, I love you by the way, if you're listening to <laughs> I love you too, Bill. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I just want to put that out there because I think it is a really uh, amazing, or it's just a really powerful exercise to help us when we need that extra support to encourage us to think about another person and what we do share in, in common. Because as humans, we share more in common than uncommon than we don't. Yeah. So we, Okay Better Bookstore coming to you this fall. For now, our book recommendation is going to be reading Amanda Knox's Mm -hmm. book. So much I learned about her, the case and all the circumstances that were just fascinating. So it's Amanda Knox waiting to be heard. Absolutely a great read. And if you haven't listened to our conversation, I hope you will. And Christy and I will Mm -hmm. be back having these mini conversations this fall. And I'm just going to let you know that we decided <laughs> to choose a word before each episode, like an intention. Mm-hmm. And our word for this first episode was easy. We want it to be a really easy conversation and process. And this is the third time <laughs> <laughs> because the first two recordings mm-hmm. did not record. Yep. <laughs> so this is now the let it be easiest 
<laughs> Let it be the easiest. And mm-hmm. that is how much we love you that we yes. would spend, I'm not sure how many hours today <laughs> sweating with headphones <laughs> to bring you yes. this wisdom. All right, Christy, I love you. Happy 20th anniversary. You're going camping. Yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually very excited about it. It's And it's more glamping than anything else. But time in the mountains with my man feels like actually a great way to celebrate 20 years. So yeah. Well, um, I love and congrats you, on a great, great episode. And I'm just, I want to plug it again, that if you have not listened to it, go listen to it right now. It's excellent. Well, thank you, Christy. And I love you and we'll be back at it. And everyone take care of yourselves and one another. And I hope this episode inspires you to think about how you consume stories about other people. Ethical storytelling. Yeah. Boom. Okay, bye. Boom. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat mother of three, and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.